Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon to you. It is a Monday and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests over an hour plus a stock of the day and sometimes we even get bonus buys coming from our guests as well don't know if we will today not making any promises but i do have two great guests here with me in studio is Nathan somersandaram from deep data analytics and joining us from brizzy david lane from ord manette david tell me you've got tickets or you are at the matildas on saturday <laughs> Unfortunately not. They were very, very difficult to uh, to get tickets to and the, the lines were sold out as well, but I was at home watching it uh, live. Yeah, what an event. All right, I'm not going to get sidetracked <laughs> because we've also got such another big event on right now, which is, of course, reporting season. Nathan, um, any big standouts, any big crashes in your view yet? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, the market is waiting for us to play out more to the point ours ours is backward looking data most people know it's the forward looking guidance and most people are not really giving you much guidance mm -hmm. because as with anything none of us know um so the corporates are just as uncertain as the rest of us you know it's it's worse than watching uh, a penalty shootout with matildas <laughs> it's just waiting for things to play out so um, i think the market is just preparing itself for the reporting season um and the macro is volatile as it is. I mean, you look at the Aussie dollar today, um, there's a fair amount happening, um, mm -hmm. especially in the Japanese market as well. So there's a lot happening and reporting season is just gonna add more fun to the cycle. Yeah, well, David, you know, we're hearing from these retailers that we've been hanging out to hear from, not to Nathan's point about necessarily what's already happened in the previous financial year, but more so these trading yep. updates about what's happening now. What's your assessment of what we've heard? Yeah, they're certainly uh, very closely watched. And we had JB Hi-Fi out this morning and uh, they indicated that their July sales were down slightly, um, but probably not as bad as, as what the, you know, the, the market is anticipating. And, and really that's so far been the case that we as analysts or um, investors are, are going into this reporting season being very negative and very cautious. But in fact, some of the results that are coming through aren't necessarily um, indicating that at this point in time. So it's, yeah, a, a little bit of a mixed bag at, at current uh, stage. Okay, well, I will give it away, but our stock of the day is related to reporting season. But we will also be talking about Virgin Money, Platinum Asset Management, Insignia Financial, Medibank Private, and AUB. But as I mentioned, stock of the day is car sales. It has boosted its payout, flagging earnings growth in the year ahead after full year profit jumped a whopping 43%. It's been driven by acquisitions for US-based Trader Interactive and Brazil's Web Motors. Revenue surged 57% over 780 million, final dividend of 32.5 cents per share. On the outlook, no numbers attached, but it says 
quote, good growth will be delivered on a pro forma basis with, quote, very strong growth on an actual basis on boasted adjusted earnings and revenue with margin expansion as well on a pro forma basis. We spoke with the CEO a little bit earlier on today. A guidance approach has been consistent over the last 13 years um, and we like to, to guide, uh, I, I guess, on this basis. The market understands what our guidance means. Um, we, we don't like to put um, you know, tight numeric ranges there, um, but the, the market understands what our, what our outlook statements actually translate to. So you know, we're, we're comfortable doing it the way we are. Okay, so um, didn't get any numbers in there. Uh, the market, though, is liking this result. Um, so, Nathan, I'll start with you on, I guess, the commentary around those uh, outlook statements. So, making the assumption that the market knows what they're thinking, what's going to come. Yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky, and, and I can understand the dilemma for corporates. There's a lot of macro moving around, um, and especially the, the old techs, the REAs, the car sales, the SEEKs um, of our market have global expansion, I mean, global exposure. So there's a lot of moving parts. It's tough to give an outlook statement in this market at the best of times. Um, so it is tough. Uh, they've done well. Um, I mean, I guess the car prices um, inflation has really helped them and that's played well. Um, the car, I, I guess, if you look at the average price uh, of the two um, online plays in REA and car sales, both of them are quite elevated and they've held elevated for a lot longer than what most people thought. So that's helping them, they're doing well, they're well managed, they've got a good diversified exposure. I think they hold up well. Um, it's tough to see value in any of them. I actually think the third one is interesting, Seek. That's probably underperformed the other two. And so if you're thinking overall, the thematic holds up relatively well, the economy is actually hold up. Seek is probably a better play. Uh, but I think, look, it's hard to go against people like car sales and REA because they have a number of leverages to play. Uh, they can pull a lot of levers to get keep the growth rate going. Um, they're not going to get blown away um, mm -hmm. and they're a diversified model. So hard not to like them, uh, but yeah, I would not be chasing here. If you want the same thematic, um, if you think the overall macro holds up, then Seek is probably a better play for you. Okay, here. so you would hold car sales if you owned it though? I would hold it. Yeah. I, I think that, look, they, I think all three of them are proven global models. Mm -hmm. You just accept the fact that they're cyclicals, they'll be up and down, but you can hold them through the cycle. David, uh, buy, hold, sell for car sales today. Yeah, very very similar view. We've got a hold on them. Um, think that they're an excellent business, very, very well managed, and that result shows that they can deliver and that they're, they're doing very, very well. Um, but yeah, as, as Nathan said, the, the valuation probably doesn't hold up at current levels. We've got a fair value on them of about $23. So they're currently trading above that. Uh, now the analysts may well look at today's result and, and readjust that. But at the moment, I've uh, got a, a hold recommendation on it. Um, but it is in the right space. We are seeing that, yeah, we mentioned consumer sales earlier. Um, the, the car sales uh, are, around Australia have been holding up very, very well. Uh, July, it was, or June and July were, were very, very strong months. So that is part of the, the, the economy that is performing better than, than general discretionary sales. Uh, so it is in the right sector, but probably share prices, um, yeah, a little bit too high at current levels. Got it. Thank you. Um, just a quick one. Do you like Seek? 
We actually just downgraded our recommendation on Seek last week. Um, so we've we've put a a uh, sell recommendation on it. Um, we had liked it, but tending to think that um, yeah, there is actually better value in in the likes of car sales. Um, but we've also got a light and on REA group. Mm-hmm. So we tend to think that the market's probably um, you know run these stocks up a little bit too high when you look at. Uh, at all of them, they're trading on very, very lofty uh, PE and, and low dividend yields. So, um, yeah, probably wait for a bit of a pullback in, in their share prices before re-entering this uh, technology sector. Thank you. All right, let's get to the companies that have been nominated by you, our viewers. Thank you for that, by the way. And I'd just like you to keep in mind as well that this is not personal financial advice. It's information only, so you do need to either seek advice or at the very, very least do your own research. Okay, let's get to it. Frankie wrote in and he picked Virgin Money, or she. V-U-K is the ticker code. Hey, David, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because so often Virgin Money actually ends up being either one of the best performing or worst performing stocks on the day. And we don't talk about it very much at all. Uh, I do know that Ords has an accumulate on it. Why? Yeah, that's right. We do. Um, we see that it's uh, getting reasonable growth. It is, uh, you know, relatively well priced at the moment. Um, there, originally, the business spun out of, of National Australia Bank, so it was its its UK business. Clydesdale, I think it was. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they've uh, subsequently bought the the Virgin Money brand. So, Virgin Money in the UK, uh, you know, technology based business I suppose uh, so they're getting a little bit better growth than, than some of the, the major banks um, so we do see it's reasonable value probably the thing that we note though is that they're compared to the Australian banks their net interest margin is a little bit lower um, sitting at about 1.8 1.85% the Australian banks generally are trading at a, a, a net interest margin of 2% or above so um, yeah there, there is a, a slightly lower margin there um, but it, if you're looking for exposure to the UK and um, the you know, financial services sector, we think that it's a it's a reasonable uh, way to do that. Okay, so I'll put a hold on that one. Um, would you be buying Virgin Money UK? Cost controls, mar- like it's a competitive mortgage market there as well. Yeah, it's tough. Um, if you want the UK exposure, financial exposure, uh, I guess that's the way to play it. My question would be why? <laughs> why would you want that? Uh, UK economy is in a, in a bit of a mess. Um, I think when you look at it on a like-for-like basis, the Aussie um, market is, I mean, Aussie economy is much better on a stable, stability sense. Uh, like it or not, we get bailed out by China. Even if they're not doing great, they still bail us out. So we hold up relatively well. Um, the advantage for them also is the fact that obviously all banks are doing a bit better on the backward looking because interest rates have gone yeah. up. So that kind of works for them. Um, the pound is doing a lot better than the Aussie. So in that context, in the last six months, that's kind of worked in their favor as well. So I think Virgin looks okay. Um, I don't think it's anything worse uh, than most of the financials. But geez, I'm negative on the local banks. Um, I don't think the banking sector globally is pricing in the risk. Um, everyone's pricing in soft landing mm-hmm. uh, and rate cuts. Uh, if you get one, you don't get the other. So there is an issue for the banking sector. I think it's tough. Um, the The upside is limited. I think credit growth around the world is struggling. So do you want to have financial exposure, especially the banking exposure? Um, I think even the good ones are struggling. I don't see the not so good ones are going to do better. So this is not one for me. Okay, so an avoid 
from Nathan. All right, let's get to Platinum Asset Management. It's the next on the list. Just checking in who nominated it. Rita. Hi, Rita. Um, look, Nathan, follow the funds. Platinum <laughs> yes. Asset Management. Would wow. you be buying? It's look. It, it it was one of the uh, one of the great funds, um, and the cycle has turned. Um, outflows. No need to jump in. I think you've got time, but geez, there will be a time for these guys, and there will be a time for the Magellans and all the fund managers. Right now, most fund managers are seeing outflows, um, so you don't need to rush in. I am. It look, it looks great. Everyone wants to jump in. Everyone's trying to pick the bottom. Uh, I think you just got to wait for the flows. I think the market. It's way overvalued. There will be some realignment, and these guys play on asset prices. So, Look at that chart. I know it's 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 been ugly. Um, there is no other way to go about it. And so, in context, when they have asset price pullback, these guys get a fee from their funds under management. So, if markets pull back, the assets go down in size. Their fees come back. So there is a you know structural downgrade cycle potential for all fund managers. So that's the risk. So I don't think anybody's going to rush in. We have to go through some kind of a realignment in the market to real valuations. And once that happens, you jump all over some of these asset managers and Platinum is one of them. But not right now. I'm staying away. David, uh, do you see it any differently or is patience a virtue when it comes to Platinum Asset Management? I think patience certainly is a virtue. Um, we do have an accumulate recommendation on it, and that's probably based mainly on its fair value. That you know we think the fair value is about two dollars ten. They're trading about a dollar sixty-five, so they are trading below that. Um, but as Nathan said, the the outflows have have continued over the last two years. Um, both Magellan and Platinum used to be the darlings of Australian retail investors. Now they're no longer the darlings. Um, GQG is actually one of the, the businesses that's mm -hmm. picked up some of that uh, fund flow, but then also the, the rise of ETFs, et cetera, has, has improved um, you know, the, the choices that people have available. Um, our analysts do believe that the worst is probably over for Platinum and that their recent performance as far as their funds has been better uh, uh, and that the cycle will start to turn. But the question really is when will that cycle start to turn? So it may well be a long-term play. So if you're looking for value, it's reasonable at current levels. Um, but as Nathan said, there's probably no catalyst to say you need to be jumping in right now. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's get to the next on the list. So a bit of a financial services name here. Insignia Financial, the old IOOF. Don't think it's reported yet. I do think it reports uh, next week. I'm just going by memory. Um, so David, what about an insignia? Um, what, what do you make of, of it in this current you know, economic environment? Yeah, well, I, I guess, as you said, it's a, it's a bit of a theme, but they also have had uh, a reasonable amount of outflow. Um, Insignia has really been reshaping itself over the last few years. They bought a number of businesses. Oops, I think that we've lost David there. Maybe I'll pick hey, it up yeah, with I'll you, try. Nathan. Oh, look, I think the thematic is similar it has. Um, overall. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. sorry, David, you back? back now yeah yes. okay good keep going then maybe just start with insignia you'd said that it was really working to change its business over the past few years 
Yes, yes. So they've picked up a number of businesses. They bought MLC. They bought uh, uh, the ANZ financial services platform. Uh, so it has been buying a lot of those platforms, and now it's actually reshaping its advisor network. So it announced uh, last week that they're uh, going to spin off their, their independently owned uh, financial advisors into a separate entity. Uh, so they're really looking at, at reshaping that business. Um, we do see that there is value there. We've got an accumulate recommendation on it. Uh, but again, it's probably one for the patient investor that you're looking for that transformation uh, uh, as far as the, the advice business is concerned. So um, yeah, again, reasonable value at current levels. Uh, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it. Okay. Um, what about you, Methan? Yeah, it's similar thematic, uh, but I suppose it doesn't have the branding as much as a Platinum or a Magellan uh, that it used to have. Well, they, they used to have, once were Warriors, all of them. Um, I think um, IFL is, I think it's okay. Valuation-wise, it'll look interesting. I can see why investors are asking about all these stocks. Yeah. They've beaten up stocks and they should be turning. Um, I think this is, the interesting part about this is this is a much more uglier than Platinum. Uh, but there's got two potential catalysts. One, structural change. They've bought a lot of pieces. How mm-hmm. that all connects is one risk. And if that comes good, then that's a, a big positive. Then the other play is obviously what's happening in the overall market and the asset prices and so forth. So there's two negatives playing, but they could turn positive as well. Um, and this is a stock that was underperforming well before the pandemic, and you're near the lows. Um, I think the downside risk is relatively minimal uh, because I think all the hot money's already gone. Um, it's had a lot of issues, uh, but I think it's one to keep an eye on. I, I think, again, similar thematic, I, I'm not jumping into any of these guys till they actually start to get fund inflows, but it is an interesting one because this is probably not going to get the love that the Magellans and the Platinums will get because mm-hmm. they've got that brand for years. It's a former market darling. This probably wasn't. Yeah. So that's what I like about it because people are not going to jump on this. So this is the one underdog. I'm keeping. Yeah, it's the ugly one. Uh, but it could has the potential to turn around their board nice pieces if they can get it to work. So uh, I'm not going to judge them till I wait and see, but it won't get the premium that the others get. So I would wait and see how it plays out. If it comes up with decent numbers and you start to see fund inflows, don't worry about the first 10, 15%. You can chase it. There's a lot of, lot of upside mm-hmm. once the cycle turns. But that could be a while, as David said. No need to rush in. But okay. it's it's an interesting one for me. Watch and wait. I will say that Morgan Stanley is overweight, saying that uh, it issued a business update last month and that its pathways to drive cost efficiencies and to simplify the business model it likes. So it's expecting to see OPEX efficiencies of around $100 million. So yeah, compelling value seems to be the verdict on Insignia Financial. Okay, Medibank Private is the next on the list. And just checking in who wrote in about that one. Uh, whoops, that Insignia was for Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Marilyn has written in about Medibank Private again. David, a company that's not yet reported. Strategically at this time of the year, would you sort of always wait to get the report out of the way before pressing the buy button? Uh, certainly it's, yeah, in, in most cases you probably would, knowing that the, the reporting is coming up uh, and we do expect that there's probably a, a period of, of volatility as, as we've seen today with you know, car sales reports well, the share price is up, there's a risk that you, you miss those if, uh, if you get the timing wrong. Um, really what we tend to do is, is look at companies from a longer term perspective and, and look at their value. So we're not necessarily 
buying uh, on a daily basis to, to try and pick those short-term movements, but looking at that long-term value. Um, in the case of Medibank Private, uh, yeah, we've got a hold recommendation on it. I think that it's uh, it's fairly fully priced where it is. It's obviously had the the issues of the the, um, the cyber incident that happened uh, a while ago, and uh, as a result, it's um, it's uh, com- or customer growth hasn't really occurred. It's it's fairly flatlined as far as that's concerned. So, um, yeah, we we think that it's a it's a good business, but medium and longer term, we'd like to see the the price come down a little bit um, before we'd be entering that stock. Okay, Nathan um, Medibank Private. I mean, insurers have had, I suppose, um, you know, tailwinds behind them sure. in general. But would you pick a, a medic? Call insurer over yeah. a you know a general insurer. Yeah, this is this is the tricky bit because you have to start classifying things. What's discretionary spending and what's kind of becomes you have don't have a choice. You mm-hmm. need to have, um, and so in that what, what is staple and what's everything has to be now uh, you know cut down to that level because consumer spending is in trouble and I think it'll continue to be under pressure. So uh, consumers are going to pick and choose. Um, health insurance, it's always a tough one because no one can really kick goals because of the evening out of the the whole, which is kind of good and bad, good for consumers, but probably not so great for the corporates to make an extraordinary profit in a great cycle. So they're capped at what they can do in a good cycle. Premiums are rising, um, but I think this is one where you could, if the economy slows down and people are, you know, tight on their budget, this could see some uh, losses where people might actually cut their health insurance and then come back. That's the problem, or they downgrade to a, a lower coverage. Now, Medibank Private obviously had the, uh, the hack problem, and then it's recovered. So they're not cheap. I mean, I prefer NIB compared to Medibank in that context. It's a much better business, but uh, it's, it's pretty much like for like. Um, I, we've actually been a fan of the insurance sector, mm-hmm. um, and we played it through QBE and IAG. Mm-hmm. And they've had, I mean, these are boring businesses have had really good runs. Yeah. Are um, you taking profits there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, t- we got out of QBE. Um, I don't want to be there in July, August, when I used to live in the US. That's when you get all these um, weather problems. Oh, look at Maui. Yeah. So you've got to be careful. And so, yeah, so you don't want to be there. IAG's done phenomenally well. It was really cheap. I would look at the guys who tend to do have done the best is the the brokers, the insurance brokers. Mm-hmm. So the Oz brokers, Steadfast, they've done really well. Um, I can't get myself to buy it because they look expensive, but they're always expensive. But we're in a premium rising cycle, um, tough market, so they should continue to do okay. Oh well, like let's just go on to the next stock yeah. then, shall we? Now that we're in this conversation, this is AUB. It's been okay. picked by Mara. <laughs> So this is um, obviously brokers, yes, underwriters, yes. so just exactly what you were speaking yeah. of. I think AUB is in the investment committee portfolio, isn't it? I believe so. I think so. it is. I think we put it in. I believe All so. All right. So just finally, Medibank Private, so you wouldn't be rushing into Medibank no, Private. No, not in the health insurance. Okay. Um, but if, AUB, um, look, but, yeah, would you still be buying AUB? Yeah, they should be continuing to do well. Um, both um, that and Steadfast, AUB and Steadfast, both of them are doing well. Any kind of pullback, I would buy them. The premium cycle should help them. Um, tougher macro environment also should help them. So I think they do uh, They do probably the best out of the market at the moment. I think the insurance stocks have had the run. There's a risk that, you know, natural issues that kick in with weather, uh, where medical, I mean, the health insurance, I think it's tough. 
it's a discretionary to a certain extent, so they, they might see downsizing. Um, so I would look at the brokers and I would say OS brokers and Steadfast, if you wanted that exposure, they're probably the best placed. Okay, so you'd still buy AUB. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to uh, David Lane because we've got your view on Medibank Private, but not on AUB. Yes, yeah, we'd have a hold recommendation on it. Um, as you said, the brokers have done very, very well and, and AUB is one that, that has done exceptionally well. Um, they've recently upgraded their earnings forecasts and they've had numerous upgrades, but we just think that the, the valuation is a little bit too high at current levels. Um, currently trading at 28.73. Uh, we've got a valuation of not $29 on it. So it's about uh, about where they should be at current levels. So we've got to hold. Yeah, well, you know, when you look at that chart, Nathan, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's tough. That's That was my problem, right? Yeah. Uh, in trying to pick it, it's tough. But the, in, in the investment committee, we were trying to balance out how the overall mm -hmm. portfolio. Um, but it's the business, the macro is good for the overall business. And if you want to play, the, the traders benefit on both sides. And they don't have they they don't have to care about who the player is. They can always play the margin. So in a rising environment, the demand is going to be always higher for them. So I think the others have run up. Yes, they're expensive, but I think they're probably more defensive than the others in the insurance sector. So happy to back them for now. There you go. We will see what happens next month when we meet, and then we'll have all this information from reporting season <laughs> to digest true. as well. All right, Nathan, uh, David, look, we have come to the halfway mark. Let's just uh, review what we've learned so far. And uh, for car sales, which was stock of the day, a company that reported today, both my guests say that there's excellent management at play. They're excellent business, in fact, in David Lane's words, but they both have a hold on it because they look at it being pretty fully valued. Tough to see value is what Nathan said. He would rather buy Seek. All right, Virgin Money, it's a hold for David Lane from Ordmanet. You know, net interest margins lower for it, but it's pretty well priced. Nathan, he just says, why? Why would you need exposure to the UK financial system? He's pretty negative on banks overall, so he's avoiding that one. Platinum Asset Management, it is a buy for the team at Ordmanet and David Lane. He says, you do have time though. Uh, you know, really you want to buy it when the cycle is starting to turn. And that's sort of what Nathan says. There's no need to jump in. You've got time. Wait to start to see funds flowing back in. And that would give you a good indication that the cycle has turned enough to make platinum asset management. But again, both of them do see value in it. Insignia Financial, it's an accumulate at Ordmanet, reasonable valuation. Uh, Nathan says that it's okay. Valuation looks interesting. But again, while you might, by waiting, miss the first 10 to 15% uptick, he reckons it's worth the wait. Okay, Medibank Private, uh, Nathan would prefer NIB in that space. It's a hold for the team at Ordmanet and David Lane because looks fully pretty pretty fully priced and then you just heard what the guy said about AUB again it comes down to what you're willing to pay for what is a quality company in David Lane's views but they've got fair value at $29 which is not a lot of upside from here and uh, Nathan he's got a buy on it but you know recognizes that it has run pretty hard and FYI he's taking profits in the other insurers that he's been invested in Okay, so there we go, bringing us to the halfway mark very nicely. Let's check in on our own high conviction fund picked by the aforementioned investment committee. That's up online if you haven't watched it yet. 
Here it is. Index was replaced by AUB. I knew it, Nathan. Sometimes it's hard to remember when you're talking stocks all day, but there you go. Uh, we spent about uh, 1% of our cash into Seek. I'm sure you had something to do with that. <laughs> Altium and ProMedicus. So how are we performing? Up 7.5% on a cumulative return basis since its inception. So there you go. Uh, keep these requests coming in and we will keep putting the ideas to the investment committee. No double buys today, no double sells. So not much movement so far. We'll see if we can get any in the second half of the performance. We will be talking about ServiceStream, Reliance Worldwide, Orica, New Farm, and Corporate Travel. And some of those companies have a little bit in, uh, in common. So we'll see where this conversation takes us. We'll start with ServiceStream though. This has been picked by RT. RT, I hope you're watching or listening, this one's for you. So um, yeah, basically engineering services, construction services, um, maintenance as well of uh, some of those assets. So David Lane, we'll start with you from Ward Manette, Service Stream. Yeah, that's uh, the first one of our buys today. Um, yeah, we think it's a it's a good stock. Um, they've recently announced uh, a couple of contracts that add about another three hundred and forty million dollars of of revenue to them, and it's a bit of a reshaping of their business that they bought uh, the contracting business from Len Lease a few years ago, and and now they're starting to find that their contracts are getting longer term, uh, which means that their revenue is is more predictable. So. We think Service Stream is a is a good business. It's in a uh, a very good position, um, reasonable price at current levels. We've got a uh, a target price of ninety eight cents on them, uh, and think that yeah, current levels they they're a good buy. Um, interesting. Okay, so we've got a buy from Ords. We've got Macquarie being neutral, and uh, recently City has well, not that recently actually. It's upgraded it to buy from neutral. Um, I do note, I was reading some analysis, that it's got quite a lot of debt, Nathan. Mm. Um, that's a, is that a concern? It is in this environment where interest rates are yeah. going straight up. Um, it did get a $50 million tax refund. That kind of helps. Um, yeah, David's right. The back history, this used to benefit from um, huge margin out of NBN, um, uh, in yeah. NBN-related work. And then they repositioned it, more of a utility services. So it's a repositioning of the overall business. It used to be a market darling back in the day and it used to trade at a much higher share price and everyone got hammered and everyone got out. Now it's turning around. We've actually jumped in around the um, mid 60s uh, when it pulled back uh, because they actually delivered a couple of upgrades. Um, they bought the, the worst part of Lend-Lease and actually started doing better. So that kind of tells you where we are. Uh, so And they started to win contracts, as David said. Um, the good thing about a lot of service companies, we're actually big fans of the service industry at the moment because they're all winning new contracts. The good thing is the old contracts are pretty bad because they basically got contracts with very low margin, mm -hmm. costs have gone up, and you're getting squeezed. It's basically a death spiral. But when you win new contracts, they've got much higher margin and they're a lot better at positioning their cost base. So it actually looks pretty good. So the future potential is that they will all upgrade. So we actually like that sector. It's an ugly sector. I'm not going to say it's high quality businesses. They're far from it. They're shocking quality businesses. But we're in a market where high quality businesses are very expensive. So you've got to look for average quality businesses doing better and improving. And this is one of them. So we like it. We've been in it since the, oh, I suppose, the mid 60s. 
we've had a good run. Um, we're still in an upgrade cycle. Brokers like it, um, and so it's an it's it's been improving. And I suspect we'll have a bit more to go. So I'm not getting out. We're positive. Um, we still see upside more than 20%. So uh, we think it's a buy. Uh, we're happy to stay there. We like a number of services sector, and this has been one of those ones that's done really well in the last three to six months. Okay, so that is, uh, you're, okay, at 86 cents, you'd still buy even though you bought in the 60s. Yeah, I think it's it's going above a dollar, so okay. we're comfortable. Psychologically, that's hard to do though, isn't it? It is, it is. But um, the great thing is when you look at where these are, don't look at the long-term history of this share price and think it's going to go back there because it was a different business model. But the beauty of it is they're winning contracts. So they're in a growth phase, they're winning contracts, margins are improving. So it's an upgrade cycle. So never get out in an upgrade cycle. Okay, got it. All right, one of those rules of thumb from Nathan, you never get in in a downgrade cycle, you never get out in an upgrade cycle. Let's get to the next on the list. See, I learn stuff from you all the time. (laughs) It's uh, Reliance Worldwide, RWC. This is for Christopher. So this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, for a while, talking about pricing power, even as its input costs you know, went up, um, but uh, I wonder if some of that's waning. I think it did slightly in the last result that came through. It has not yet reported, but it's one of those companies that, you know, really gives us insight into the cycle and where we are right now. Um, and I would note, David, that even though we're very concerned about the U.S. economy and we've been concerned about the housing market there, it actually has proved to be pretty resilient. So what do you make of Reliance Worldwide? Yeah, I, I think you, you're on the money there as far as uh, being a bit of a, a barometer for the, the U.S. economy. Um, last week we saw James Hardy's result, and it surprised on the upside because it gave us indication that the uh, you know that the housing sector over there is is still re- relatively buoyant. So we will be looking closely at this result for Reliance Worldwide. Uh, the other interesting part of their last result was that the the European business was doing very well. Uh, so they had reasonable growth in the US, a little bit flatter in Australia, but their their uh, European business was up by about 14% or so. So um, they did relatively well there. Um, we have got a hold recommendation. I think that it's probably fairly fully priced at current levels. Um, and as you said, be watching the the result fairly closely to see a bit of an indication not only as to how they've gone over the last six months but then also what the outlook is for the future because uh you know it is in a sector that that is somewhat discretionary and somewhat um you know a a little bit of a, a staple i suppose because if you if you've got a leak in your bathroom, you've got to get it fixed. Yeah, and they're still developing new products, um, so that could support growth going forward. Nathan, you know, it looks like margins are recovering as well because, you know, copper and all the rest of it that's used in their products went up exponentially. Um, so, yeah, with this global um, exposure, local as well, yeah. does it off, like, is it attractive to you? It's, it's, it, this is a tough one. Um, if to put some uh, context, the U.S. construction index, the housing construction yeah. index, was trading at all-time high. So it actually went above the previous high, despite interest rates. So the mortgage mm-hmm. rates right now are at 20-year high, over 7%, 20-year high. So even higher than pre-GFC levels. So it's amazing how things <laughs> work out. So what's happening is basically consumers are just borrowing. Everyone is borrowing more and more under the assumptions that interest rates will fall. 
you know, this used to be corporates making a bet against the Fed. Now everyone, every man and his dog is betting against the Fed that they will collapse and things will cut. But again, everyone's assuming they're soft landing and so forth. So was I surprised that James Hardy and Bora came up with uh, a decent results and the prices popped? Not really, because if you look at their counterparts in the US, they've done so well that there was a catch up play. So yes, US has held up well. The question is, again, it's about backward looking data versus forward looking data. Can they maintain that pace? I struggle to see that. I could be wrong, but I struggle to see that. Um, I'm, I'm a massive fan of selling James Hardy and Laurel in this market. I think James Hardy is one of the best businesses running around. They make money in a recession. So, <laughs> you know, you're comfortable holding them, but they've outperformed what I think the macro suggests. Um, and Reliance Worldwide for me is probably a tier below them. Um, James Hardy is extremely higher quality. Um, I think Reliance Worldwide is good. I just don't think it's that good. So is it going to be um, suffering in the cycle? I think it struggles. I don't think this is going to be outperforming in the short term. I think it struggles with interest rates. I think interest rates are going to remain elevated for a lot longer than what the market thinks. Even in a red card environment, uh, nobody is expecting it to fall down to 2 to 3%. This is going to be, the Fed is going to hold it around 4%, which means mortgage rates are still going to be 5 6%. So it's going to be tough. So I don't see the upside. So I would not be going here. I think the risk return in this market, you really want to be picking turnaround stories that's going to benefit and recover over the next couple of years. I think this struggles. So okay, so so me. would you hold it if you already owned it? I think if you're holding it, I, uh, I, I'd hold it because the overall sector is still doing okay, uh, surprisingly. So I'm happy to hold it, but I'd be keeping an eye on how James Hardy borrow trade. If they start to roll over, I'll be getting out of this one. Yeah, and also when you're thinking about these companies, though, I mean, the Aussie dollar has now hit a nine-month low, 64.56. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to a 63. So um, if we're not getting any China stimulus, um, and if I know call keeps sliding, um, I think Aussie dollar can easily go to 63 and go lower. And RBA has pretty much said they are basically not going to hike unless they're forced to. So in that environment, um, I think it's going to be tough. So I think Aussie dollar goes lower, which supports a lot yeah. of these global businesses. Yeah. But I, if I ha if I wanted to play that exposure, I'd rather buy a healthcare stock where you don't have a discretionary spending. You're going to spend. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I'll buy CSL any day of the week uh, for a global currency play. Yeah, CSL, quick view, David Lane. Uh, yeah, we like CSL. We're, um, I guess, have become more attracted by the fact that the share price came down uh, recently. They disappointed the market a little bit. So, yeah, we think that uh, CSL's reasonable value at current levels. Okay. All right. Let's just um, get on to the next stock on the list or I will get myself <laughs> in a bit of trouble timing-wise. And it is Orica and this is for Fred. Fred, hi, Orica. Um Look, Nathan, I'll be honest, I, I don't know what the share price in Orca has been doing it's, uh, as of late. Yeah, look, it's recovered. Um, it got down to, oh, probably a couple of years ago, you could have picked it up around $11, $12. Now it's $15, $16. Okay. Um, it pulled back um, late last year um, to about $13. I like it. Um, it's a sector that's not probably well understood. Um, it has explosive upside. <laughs> they, uh, they literally yeah. blow stuff up. Uh, and, and, and they're working on doing remote blowing stuff up. Yeah. Uh, so it is a quite a step up. And I think uh, it is an interesting business. There is always talk about potential takeover. 
I actually like the chemical sector, both explosive side, fertilizer side. I think there's big upside in both of them. I think the inflation cycle helps um, this sector quite a bit. So I like it. Um, now that it's $15, $16, I think it's probably well-priced. I think it's a hold. Um, I don't think it's a, a disaster by any means. I think the business has improved, uh, but it's not cheap. So if it, you know, if the market pulls back and you can pick it up uh, around $13, $14, yeah, I would buy it. I think the long-term thematic for the chemical sector is quite positive, uh, but it's probably well-priced for now, so it's a hold. Okay, what do you think about uh, valuation when it comes to Orica there, David? Yeah, fairly similar. We've got a, a hold recommendation on it. Think that uh, current levels, it's it's reasonable value, um, but yeah, wouldn't be jumping in at, at you know current prices. Um, the interesting thing about Orica is that they've been improving their margins through improving technology. Uh, so you tend to think of, of explosives of just being dynamite, but they've actually been developing their, their technology a lot better. Um, it is exposed to the mining sector and although we have seen a reasonable period for mining we haven't necessarily seen too much new investment into mines so it's probably a little bit challenged as far as that's concerned uh, so again yeah probably would look for a bit of a, a pullback in the share price before I'd be be entering the stock uh, we've got a, a valuation of 1650 on it so it's um, still trading a little bit below that but yeah would prefer to see the, the price a little bit lower and didn't it divest it would have been last year, Divest. Um, it yes. was Minova. It was in the US, wasn't it? I mean, so. Yes, yeah, in, okay. in 2022, um, yeah, they, they sold that business. So they've, yeah, they've been going through a, a bit of a restructure. Uh, the results, like their share price, has sort of been a little bit up and down over the last few years. Um, so it's one that you know you can probably wait for a, a you know a cheaper price to, to get into it mm -hmm. okay so uh that is orica it's a hold from both of my guests again a watch and wait because you'll be able to get it perhaps perhaps cheaper and we do like buying things when they're on sale i do anyways okay <laughs> next on the list new farm i'm one of those people who has to t if, if yeah. i bought something and i got a good price i've got I to know. tell people and some people find that very annoying but <laughs> i i take pride in it all right new farm if i look at what the brokers are saying on new farm pretty positive so bell potter has a buy city a buy ubs a buy macquarie outperform morgan stanley is equal weight morgan's as a hold ord minette what does ord minette make of new farm this is for xander david yeah, we've got an accumulate on it. We think that it's it's pretty good value where it is. Um, like the like the business, uh, it does have um, a volatile earnings and volatile share price, as you can see there, um, and exposed to agricultural um, and 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 also climate conditions. But we think it's well managed. We think it's it's in a good space. The share price at current levels is appealing. So uh, PE ratio of about eleven times. Um, you know, quite attractive valuation there. So we think that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good business. You know what we haven't talked a lot about today is dividends. I mean, New Farm, um, what's its dividend payout like? Yeah, dividend yields about 2.5%. So it's a reasonable one. Um, doesn't tend to pay out a lot there currently unfranked so they're, they're not necessarily um, you know tax paying in Australia so uh, yeah you don't get that franking credit there so you're really buying it for medium and longer term growth rather than the, the dividend yield okay and do you reckon that it is a growth stock 
Yeah, we do. We think that, uh, you know, it's, it, as I said, it's exposed to the, the cyclicality of the, the agricultural sector. But at the moment, um, there's a lot of demand for, for fresh food and that should continue to grow. Um, so as long as you're prepared to, uh, you know, live with the, the cyclicality of, of agricultural stocks, um, New Farm is a, is a good way to do it. Okay, great. And uh, Nathan, through New Farm, you also get some global exposure as well. That's right. Um, I look, it's part of my global Hunger Games strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the food thematic, I, I think, uh, has been playing out quite a bit over the last couple of years. I don't think that's gone anywhere. The erratic um, weather is really challenging the supply side in a number of areas and the Ukraine war is obviously added uh, more supply side strains. Um, the three stocks we tend to look at the services side of it is um, Elders, Instech Pivot and New Farm. Um, so I, I guess the chemical side of things like we were talking about Orica, Instech Pivot is on the fertilizer side, New Farm is in the seed tech yeah. um, side of it. Um, and also the thing about uh, New Farm, New Farm is probably the least of the three on the, on the quality basis. But the real kicker for New Farm is actually Omega-3 technology that I've they're working I've been hearing about this, I know. though, for this a been, year, I like it's, a decade. It's been, yeah, it's been on for a long time. It's actually going through the approval process in a number of regions, and it's actually moving ahead. Now, that is, that's the real kicker that could come through. Um, apart from the fact that I think the whole chemical sector globally is due for more consolidation, I think it's by itself, there's pieces everyone's got. When you put together for a big scale of play, I think that's still in, in play. So I think there's more consolidation happening in that sector. That's one positive. Two is the Omega-3 play. That's getting there, but I think that's still going to be playing out. New Farm is probably the, the least quality out of the three. Um, and so that's probably going to weigh on them. Um, I think the food thematic plays. I think the supply side issues are now becoming more obvious. Um, and in, you can pick any anything from rice to orange juice to olive oil. Everything is under supply side constraint. So that will play into the food thematic and these guys should all benefit from it. So I like New Farm, um, but understand the fact that this is probably agricultural sector overall is volatile and high risk. Okay. And this is probably on the lower end. So are you buying it? I would buy it. I, okay. I prefer elders. But well, I, I was about, gonna ask about elders uh, I'm, I'm, because I'm, look, I'm sorry, Nathan, yeah, but I've that's been, not gone your way. It's no, like it 28% hasn't. year to date. When no. do you pull up stumps and decide that your oh, look, think, is not working out? Yeah, look, I think that when the, the data tells me that we, you know, they're not going to do that well uh, because there's something structurally wrong, sure. Uh, it got hit initially because the CEO was going to leave and then everyone looked at the number that 2022 when inflation was high and food prices were massive, they were making extraordinary profit. Everyone thought that was gonna happen forever. Again, those two things are one-offs. If you look at the normal earnings, it's still going in the same cycle I expected. So I'm actually happy to sit on elders. I think it recovers from here. Um, and it's, it's had a, a decent couple of months recovering, but it's a long way to go and I'm not worried. We got in around these levels previously and we've been sitting on it. So I'm happy to sit on it because I think the overall thematic is still there. Um, we are playing it through Instech Pivot and Elders. And so we had New Farm, we got out of New Farm when it peaked out because we thought that we didn't want to have too much exposure and that was the lower quality one. So I'm happy to sit on Elders and wait for the thematic to play out. Okay, well I've asked on behalf of some of our viewers. I know, I know, I, know. I get Twitter calls about yeah, it all okay. the time. All right, all right, just <laughs> as long as you know, you brought it up. Okay, fair game, let's go to our lucky last stock on the list. 
This is Corporate Travel Management. This has been picked by Rel. Thanks for watching or listening. CTD is a ticker code. And uh, David, you know, you can't look past some of these travel companies that have been doing really well. Revenge travel, business travel for corporate travel management. Also, you know, the big uh, European acquisition, like a lot of tailwinds, but I don't know. Uh, is it is it all priced in? Well, it, it's an interesting one because our analyst has got a whole recommendation on it. Um, but that was back in April when the share price was up around the, the $20, $21 mark. Um, our valuation on the stock is $20.46. So it's actually coming back to being a, a reasonably priced stock again. Um, and we have seen those those travel stocks being fairly volatile. Uh, we've recently just upgraded our recommendation on Flight Centre to a buy because we've we've seen that share price come down. So it's definitely a sector that uh, you know is looking interesting. As you said, it's got the the tailwinds from um, from travel, uh, but we are seeing probably more uh, interest in the leisure side rather than the corporate side. Um, Corporate travel, as you mentioned, in the UK has, has bought uh, big business and they seem to be pivoting their strategy a little bit towards the the government sector, uh, which is probably a, a little bit more of a, a consistent type income than they, they get from business. So it's an interesting change of strategy. So I'd probably be keeping an eye on it. We've got a whole recommendation, as I said. They're releasing their result on the 23rd of August. So I'd wouldn't be buying ahead of that, but looking for uh, probably a, an indication as, as to whether to buy, um, you know, following that result. Okay, well, we'll be watching and waiting for that. So Flight Center, a buy as well in uh, the view of Ward Manette and David Blaine. So what do you think, Nathan, corporate travel management? Hell no. Uh, <laughs> I think the travel um, industry is interesting because it can mislead a bit. If you look at Flight Center, for example, the market cap of Flight Center now is as big as it was pre-pandemic because mm -hmm. the share capital is double. Mm -hmm. uh, they yeah. made acquisitions. They've, they've, they haven't dollared the share price. So it looks on the charts, it looks cheap because you look at that and 50, $45 and now it's $22 looks cheap. But the market cap is the same. Yeah. So similar with Web, uh, Webjet. So they issued a lot of shares as well. So the market cap is nearly double. So the current market cap comparable. So um, we used to basically look at Flight Center and say, $14, the market thinks this is crap, you buy it, because the cycle comes through, it's a classic cyclical, yeah. right? And then when it goes over $20, it's it's a bit expensive. So for me, Flight Center is a sell, um, Webjet is a sell, um, I would be selling into this. Uh, consumer spending globally is going to struggle, interest rates are not gonna come down. Um, there's delusional rate cut expectations and soft landing. You get one or the other, you don't get both. Um, so that, that'll hit consumer spending. Uh, corporate travel is an interesting one. They always attracted a higher multiple um, because they're a much better operator and they were targeting high margin corporate business. Now the Zoom thing is the Zoom thing. That thing is not going away. And when corporates are trying to cut costs, it's much easier to go Zoom than cut other things. So it's, it's going to be a tough one to see whether they can hold it. Um, as David said, they're pivoting to government because I. I see that in that, a lot that, of industry. It's smart move it, to do it. It does seem like even to yeah. the layperson a smart strategy, right? Yeah, exactly, because the guy who's going to be spending over the next decade is government. Mm -hmm. And But the problem is when you do that, you don't get the margin that you get yes. with the corporate. So this is a high growth stock 
that requires high margin. I think the margins are under pressure. They'll hold the revenue to a certain extent because they're acquiring businesses, but I don't think the margins hold up. So I think it's going to be tough. I think the sector is, um, everyone knows, I don't think you get a surprise here. Um, if you want to play the travel sector, I think the one you play is somewhere like Auckland International Airport because there are part property developer, yeah, part infrastructure, yeah. part property developer, part travel, uh, leisure travel. Everyone loves New Zealand. Hell, everyone should love New Zealand. Um, so in that context, I think it holds up better. But I think the the leisure travel is a fair bit priced in. I think where the consumer cycle is going, if you think the consumers are going to be that strong, you should be buying retail stocks because they're beaten up. So I would look at it and go long short trade. I'll short the travel agency businesses and I'll go long retail because I don't see how travel can be that good and retail be that bad because mm. they are cyclical. They're related. Yeah, I know. But then you've got the extraordinary impact that COVID-19 has had. Well, that's the thing. But that's backward looking. It's, yeah. So going forward, I think both of them have the similar thematic. If people can spend, they're going to buy stuff. If they're going to willing to travel, they're going to buy stuff. I think both of them are related. History tells you cyclicals trade together. Here we have a real discrepancy mm-hmm. where they're trading at peak and these guys are trading low. So, I'd, you know, if you if you believe in the consumer is going to hold up, retail is not as bad. Yeah, I just find retail so fascinating right now. What what do you think of of some of that which Nathan has been expressing? You know, because you're pretty positive on travel overall. Like, is there something that we're missing this time around in this cycle uh, that we'll see travel hold up while we've got retail spending down so significantly? Well, that's our view at the moment that we're, what we're starting to see in the numbers is that people are deciding that they're not going to go out to dinner or, or spend money on a new lounge, but they are going to spend that money on travel. And I think there is still that that lag impact from the, the COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, I know most or it seemed like almost everyone I knew was over in Europe uh, for the summer and the other half of the, the people are organising trips to ski in, in Europe or trips to ski in Japan and places like that. So tending to think that, yeah, we are um, prioritising spending on travel and not necessarily prioritising spending on other consumer discretionary. So that's that plays into our view that we're more positive on tourism stocks than we are on on it's, consumer discretionary at the moment. It's I think it's also demographic. So sure. I think the boomers are, are willing to travel. Uh, well, and they're, they're making bank exactly. on their savings as well. Exactly. So they're making more money, so they're spending. So the, the retail is predominantly the younger group. Uh, and so they're feeling the pinch. And so they're not spending as much. So that's probably explains why the discrepancy but then the question comes, can you sustain that? I think, yeah, I struggle to see that being sustained. Interesting. Well, I've never spent more on travel than I have this year. Yeah, and I won't be go. here for the next couple of weeks as well, <laughs> just as an FYI. There you go. Uh, look, but it hurts. Okay. Um, so that is corporate travel. Hey, guys, we're at the end of the program, actually. Let me just summarize what we've learned. Service stream, it's a buy from both of my guests. That will be put to the investment committee. Um, Yeah, just looking like good value, shifting to higher margin business. They're pretty positive on it. Reliance Worldwide, it is a hold from both of my guests. In fact, Nathan is taking profits in JB, sorry, James Hardy and Borel as well. Um, But yeah, in David's view, Reliance Worldwide is just pretty fully priced right now. Orica, it's a hold from both of my guests. Nathan likes it. Uh, David points out that it's improving margins through its technology, um, but you might be able to get it cheaper. It's a new farm. It is an accumulate for the guys at Ord Minette. It's a pretty attractive share price. 
uh, right now, and it's a buy for Mathan as well. I think we're going to call that a double buy as well. Um, his Hunger Games food thematic, he reckons, will still continue to play out. And to answer the questions out there, he's still happy with his elders' investment. Okay, corporate travel, it's a hold. Uh, Flight Center's recently been upgraded to Ordmanet to a buy, but Nathan strongly disagrees. Hell no, was his answer for corporate travel management. So take from that what you will. Uh, hey, David Lane, joining us from Ordmanet in Brisbane. It's been wonderful to have you along. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having so me. We'll speak soon. And Nathan Somersundaram, Deep Data Analytics, thanks for coming in. Always good to see you as well. Thank you. Rug up when you go outside. It's not <laughs> that nice outside here no. in Sydney. All right, if you'd like us to cover a company for you, osbiz.co, call picks. We do try to get them as quickly as possible. However, you know, we need to give a bit, a bit of variety in each of these programs as well. You can also tweet it to us at Ausbiz TV. Stay with us. We've got the pulse headed your way. We'll check in to see where this market is trading this afternoon. Stay with us. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.